Hello, and welcome to another uh, conversation at North Point. <laughs> a North Point cover. Sooner or later, we're going to have a title for this. I don't know. Someone's going to submit a really good one. I haven't had a super compelling title yet, so we're going with the boring conversation at North Point for that's now. That's good, because <laughs> that's what it is. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, we're circling back on a previous conversation we had. Uh, this was about a month and a half ago. We had a conversation, yeah. uh, a podcast that we put out um, after the Supreme Court decision uh, striking down Roe v. Wade, and so we thought it would be a, a perfect time for the church to enter into that conversation to talk about how we have that conversation. Right. Um, not trying to really come down and 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 land on a party line or a political point or anything like that, but really just trying to ground that whole conversation in what does the Bible say about this particular topic. Um, and that was so beneficial, even just for me personally, to kind of put that podcast out and then continue to have more conversations with people. Um, and that's kind of what this podcast is born from, is we have had a lot of conversations and now based on those conversations, have had more conversations and wanted to kind of circle back um, and talk about a few different things. So I'm curious yeah. um, what your experience has been kind of over the last month and a half with putting out that conversation and now circling back to where we're at now. It, um, it, it has been really a, a real life thing for me yeah. be, because people I care about um, watch the podcast and said, eh, I've, 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 there are other things that we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my um, nieces or cousins, I guess, um, from outside the area watched it, and and part of what she said was, "We're just trying to figure out how to have the conversation, how to yeah. talk to people about this." And so that was cool, uh, yeah. just in in terms of their feedback. And then I've had um, I, I reached out to to a friend from high school who has a very different. Um, perspective on on every aspect of the issue than I, yeah. Um, and and we've we've had ongoing dialogue, and it's just been really really good to have the dialogue because this is somebody that I care about and don't yeah. want to alienate, and I do want to understand kind of where they're coming from, and so figuring out how to have the conversation. The, one of the big things that I think I would say is I don't want. Um, in this, in, in when we do these, I don't want to to build a straw man and then tear it down. I, I want right. to say, oh, this is what they think. It's a whole lot better to have a conversation right. and say, tell me what you think, so I can process that. Yeah, and not even ask questions to try and lead them to the way that I think, but to just try and understand why they think the way that they do. And this yeah. particular friend in high school, who is very, uh, very um, much. Uh, who's very angry about the Supreme Court's decision? Sure, so uh, very strong on um, on uh, pro-abortion rights. Sure. In having the conversation, I learned that she was adopted, and yeah. um, wow. and and so she said, just as we were talking, she said, she said, this is a really hard topic. It's a really hard conversation because I yeah. think this, but I recognize that if if things are were the way that that I say that I want them to be, I probably wouldn't be alive. Hmm. Wow. So there, it, it's not an easy conversation. No, and it's it's not, and that's that has been the the continual point of feedback that I, I, I like that you brought up. You know, asking questions to genuinely ask questions, not asking leading questions, because it's amazing how even in how. I noticed how I'm responding to conversations and how, how people respond to me specifically on this topic is we tend to just figure out that the person's on the other side 
and we just make assumptions about what they think. And so we'll bring up arguments and I had people doing that to me where it's like, well, I don't even think that. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not even, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I think. And, you know, I'll say something and they'll say, well, well, that's not what I think. And so we just make so many assumptions about the other person rather than genuinely, like, learning it. Like, you learned something about your friend yeah. in the conversation that you didn't know before. And, like, that's a good thing for your relationship. Like, you have a stronger relationship because you had an actual conversation, not just entering in for the sake of trying to win the argument and win them over to your side. Yeah, um, really, really fun story about that the conversation with a friend was, um, so we had dialogued back and forth uh, multiple times. And at, at one point, at the end of a conversation, she said, have you always been this way? Mm. How, this, we're, we're, we're conversing via email. Have you always been this way? And when I got it, I started laughing because I thought, Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> have, have I always been so handsome? Have I always been so winsome? Have I always been whatever? And and it was easy to to hear the voice in my mind saying, "Have you always been so narrow? Have you always been so opinionated? Have whatever it is?" And I, and and I just I responded back and said, uh, "So inquisitive? What you know? What do you mean?" <laughs> and she and and she said, "No, have you always been so committed?" to Jesus hmm. and to scripture which which created a whole different conversation right. that's really far more important than any kind of conversation about abortion yeah. um but but she only landed there because i was really valuing her uh, her answers to right. to the stuff that we were talking about and hearing where she was where it's just so easy for us to um make assumptions to polarize and and to just be beat each other up yeah yeah so it's been cool to to hear your story to continue to have conversations um and so part of again circling back to this podcast is more conversations continue to happen there's conversations that are relevant specifically to us as a local church in michigan yeah uh, for things that are coming down in the fall um and so we just wanted to circle back and have another kind of public dialogue public discussion on this topic um and also wanted to share that um, we've tried to kind of connect dots and line additional people up to be on the podcast. Yeah. Just logistical things couldn't connect. So we understand what it looks like to have two guys, <laughs> just two men, two, yeah. two guys sitting at the table having the discussion. Um, so know that we've tried to line up uh, people that work specifically in women's care, um, caring for women. Um, and even though they couldn't be here today, having dialogue with them um, to try to, again, gain insight and not just come out of yeah. the standpoint of we're just two guys having the conversation. Like that's not the goal. for what Yeah. And and um and can you just share too? Uh, you don't have to read the email, but we we got a response back after the first yes. podcast that was just such a great um, question from someone who who feels that angst of yeah. of believing scripture, believing God, and yet living in a world where everything seems to say you need there needs to be a right um, yeah. to have an abortion. Yep. Um, that people need to have the right to choose. Right. Um, and uh, anyway, talk more yeah, about yeah. that. We, we got a, a question probably about a week and a half after the first podcast came out, just like you said, sharing this tension that I think a lot of people feel where, okay, maybe we have clarity on abortion, uh, that abortion medical procedure, that that doesn't value the human life. But what do we think about access to birth control and access to uh, women's care and pregnancy centers and things like that? And so you kind of have this tension, specifically, again, for us in Michigan, because we have this uh, 
proposal that will likely yeah. be on the ballot. I don't know if it's officially confirmed yet. It definitely got enough signatures, but I think the uh, proposal is called uh, Reproductive Freedom for All or something along those yeah. lines. Uh, that basically, in Michigan, we've talked about, um, there is a law that's currently on the books that would prevent abortive procedures. Right. Um, and that currently has a stay on it, and it's currently kind of tied up in the courts. Yeah, it was stay and then released and then stayed again. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's that's kind of all up in the air. So this proposal that will likely be on the ballot in November would guarantee access to abortive procedures and additional reproductive f- freedom, reproductive uh, treatments or medical care um, for all is what they say. So that's – we got this question that came in that said, you know, this person just felt this tension of, you know, I, I don't – think I you know I know God doesn't like abortion but I feel like God wants us to have this right to choose so how do we as Christians balance how we view really practical day-to-day things like this how do we process this how do we vote on things like this and so that kind of started the process in our minds of okay we probably have to circle back to this conversation and, and dive even deeper into all of these different scenarios and what people are talking about because it's easy for us it, it's easy for us to default to the position of just kind of backing away and saying like well we'll let other people dive into it and it, and we don't want to get into the the muck and the mire of, of delving through difficult conversations but really like that's where the church belongs <laughs> yeah. is in the messy messy conversations um, because that's where Jesus shines yeah and and trying to figure it out it's interesting to me that um, after that original podcast came out and we got that email back and we said well, I I think we need to do another one yeah. um, we create notes that we talk about uh, notes for when we have the conversation to just make sure that we're thinking clearly that that we have that stuff together um, and and really kind of at the heart of that question was as a follower of Jesus I know that that God does God is uh, God doesn't want the life of that baby to be killed yeah but as a citizen of the US I feel like People should have the right to make that choice, yeah. and that's that's that tension. There, are, there are people there, so that really kind of prompted the homework that we started to do yeah. for for this podcast that we're doing today. But that um, homework that we did has is now about three times longer than <laughs> than we started because because as we've had conversations, yeah. um, there are just lots of pieces to the puzzle. Um, you know, we talked about a whole lot of things in the first podcast and we, we, uh, this is a long introduction, isn't yeah. it? but we, there are other things that we want to talk about. We feel like we need to talk about yeah. as followers of Jesus. Yeah. And I think again, I mean, we're not, I don't want to <laughs> prolong the intro more, but it's, it's important that we kind of ground ourselves in how we have the conversation because this podcast, you know, as we enter into these kind of talking points or dealing with these tough issues, it's not to kind of equip us with the answers of, okay, when a person brings up this scenario, this is what you say to them. Like, right. this is the perfect counter argument. Like, that's not, that's not the goal. That's not the attempt. So if it comes across that, that way, that's not our goal here. Our goal is to enter into those tough scenarios to try to kind of work out, does the Bible talk about this? Because if it yeah. does, that really matters. And there's some things where the Bible kind of clearly talks about it. There's some parts where the Bible really clearly talks about it. And so our goal is to kind of, again, enter into that dark, messy conversation and bring biblical clarity to it, not to give perfect counter arguments to every conversation that we have. Yeah. yeah the, the principles of Scripture are as critical in the conversation yeah. as any kind of uh, scriptural directive yeah. that says, do this, don't do that, 
kind of thing. The, what are the principles that play in? And that's why the conversation, I think, is so important. Yeah. Because, uh, again, frankly, God is so much more concerned about what's going on in people's hearts mm. um, than their position on abortion. Yeah. All right. So how... Uh, how is this conversation being had right now? We're kind of talking about again. We're 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 looking down down the timeline, especially into November, that there's likely going to be this thing, uh, this proposal that we'll be voting for about reproductive freedom, uh, and so generally how this is talked about. This is my experience in conversations with people and in seeing what's being posted specifically about this proposal, uh, is that women have a right to certain medications, treatments, procedures because they have a reproductive right. That's what this proposal is all about, reproductive freedom. They have a reproductive right. And so to take away this right, this access to pills or procedures, means that we are taking away a fundamental right from that person. That's generally how it's being talked about, at least in my experience and in what I'm seeing. Yeah. And in one of my conversations um, with my friend, um, they they said um, uh, it was interesting because their perspective was this is an issue of equal rights for men and women, that men have autonomy over their body mm. and women don't if abortion reproductive rights are not a part of that. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that To me, that was really interesting because, yeah. um, again, my, my, my friend felt like the, um, the, the original ruling in 73 was a bad legal ruling, that it was bad law. We talked about that before. Yep. But... Their perspective was no, um, the the right to abortion and the right to uh, reproductive freedom, um, that is uh, that's fundamental to being a woman, and to take that away uh, limits um, the the rights. Yeah. Of uh, it puts the rights of women in a different place than the rights of men. Yeah. Yeah. And. There are so many questions I have that I want to delve into on that. Yeah, but I think we'll get into that. Okay. Um, in 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 the coming conversation. So this this reproductive rights proposal would guarantee access to things like ultrasounds, exams, birth control methods, as well as abortive treatments and procedures. And right. so that's again we go back to that question that was submitted to us. That's where this conflict that this person felt was okay. I see all these things that I like in this proposal, like exams. Um, ultrasounds, birth control methods, but it also includes abortive procedures and treatments. And so there's this conflict between, okay, do I vote for this thing that I, I see a lot of things that I like and there's a few things that I don't like. I don't think God wants that thing, but I'm just going to vote for it because it's got this other stuff. Um, and so that's the tension that we're brought into is feeling like if we don't vote for this proposal that women will lose access to ultrasounds, exams, birth control methods, different procedures, um, and so that's that's kind of what's been thrown out to everybody is um it's it's kind of being I'm trying to I'm trying to be charitable in how I represent it that if we don't vote for this then women will progressively lose access to these types of healthcare like ultrasounds exams and different types of medical procedures around their pregnancy um and I don't think that's an accurate representation of the healthcare available for women if say tomorrow we were to snap our fingers and planned parenthood clinics disappear yes um let me let me let me just um add in in terms of the big picture i think many would say um that their concern would be that there's a disparity between um, people who have access to healthcare and people who don't have access right. to healthcare so in areas that are more uh 
more characterized by poverty, yep. lower income, that, that they don't have the availability of those things. Right. Um, one of the things that, that, that we learned again in just in doing the homework was that, that it's interesting that there are um, uh, women's, uh, women's health centers that provide stuff ar- around the nation and that around the nation that there's a 14 to 1 ratio of women's centers that provide all those things that you said except abortions yeah. um, to Planned Parenthood centers, to, to abortive clinics. So for every Planned Parenthood... There's 14, there 14. Uh, there more, uh, um, this may be a gross overcharacterization, but pro-life organizations that are providing yeah. care, not just for um, reproductive things, but mammograms, um, care for young moms, yeah. um, uh, diapers, all those kinds of things. So there is, there is that meeting the need of everyone? No, you know, the, right. there, there will always be need. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. And, mm. and so yeah. the, um, there's always going to be a need for that. But that doesn't necessarily mandate that, that this bill has to be um, passed right. um, yeah. when, it, when, when the time comes. Yeah. So, so knowing that that's kind of the, that probably will be a big talking point for people in the fall, um, and, and the fall's not far away. Yeah. <laughs> We're already yeah. mid-August. Um, I kind of wanted to take the conversation into two well, places, unless hold there's on, yeah, other hold things on, you wanted to Just for it. a second. I, yeah, that's fine. Just because, because we're talking about being able to have the conversation with people, I want to I um, just let you know that that, um, that study was done by the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Mm. Okay. Um, so, so if you want to track that down, the Charlotte Lozier, L-O-Z-I-E-R Institute okay. is uh, who funded that study. Okay. Yeah, great. So uh, with that bill coming, we kind of wanted to take the conversation and to address two different um, aspects of what we're talking about. So one would be the con- this concept of reproductive rights, reproductive freedoms. Right. What is that about? Is there, is there biblical foundation for that? What does all that mean? So that'll be the first part of the conversation. And then the second part will be kind of diving into the messy, tragic scenarios that women tend to face. Yeah. And that tends to be uh, the kind of argument or support for, well, we have to allow abortions because of these types of situations. Right. So we'll dive into both of those. So that's kind of, the I guess, the teaser for the conversation. But first, let's dive into reproductive rights. So the question would be uh, when it comes to reproductive freedom, reproductive rights, is this a biblical concept? And so if you do a word search in your Bible, you will not find reproductive rights. That doesn't mean it's not talked about. Right. Um, so how do, we, how do we dive into this? Well, if we look into uh, the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we, God talks about reproduction <laughs> in, in relation to Adam and Eve. So God creates all of creation. He creates man, he creates woman, and then he says something to them. And Rick, does God tell Adam and Eve that you have the right to choose when it comes to your reproduction? Um, the mandate that God gave Adam and Eve was to go forth and multiply and fill the earth. Um, so, so that's, that's what God said to Adam and Eve. And, and if you're, uh, if you're being skeptical, you would say, oh, well, sure. They're the only two people on earth. It makes, (laughs) it makes all the sense of the world go forth and multiply. Um, and, and so that then leads to conversations about overpopulation and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think back to when I was in elementary school and I remember in elementary school, um, my social studies teacher saying the wor- the earth cannot sustain 4 million people, 4 billion people. 
on, on Earth, because at that point it was about it was between one and two billion. I think is is kind of where we were, and they said, oh, the projection is by X year it's going to be four billion people. There's no way that the Earth can sustain food, services, all the stuff okay. for, for four billion people. And um, here we are sitting at <laughs> we're we're at seven, seven almost eight. Yeah. Um, so the, the f- what's fundamental to that? mandate from God, go forth and multiply, you know, um, have babies, lots of babies, and fill the earth. Um, I think it it really does help to say, why would God say that? First of all, I think because God's the giver of life, mm. and He loves His creation. I, th- I, mm. I, think, I think that... Um, I don't know if God giggles, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but I wonder if, if there is just this sense of, of, of God... Anthropomorphistically, um, <laughs> if you're given God human characteristics, that that yeah. that God just sits back and says, "Oh, that's so cool." Every time a baby's conceived, yeah. the, um, that that there is the the value that He gives life is uh, is just incredible. And yeah. so um, the 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 question that really comes in there for us now. You know, um, however many thousand years later you want you want to uh, discern the time, um, is to say, are children a blessing mm-hmm. or are they a burden? Um, and has God changed His mind on that? Has God made kids now a burden that hold yeah. us back from things, or are they still a blessing? And and um, I again, I re- I remember as a kid hearing preacher saying, you know. God said, "Go forth and multiply," and he, that's He's never stopped that. He's never given a counter uh, a counterman to say, "Stop doing that." And so we should have you know huge, massive families. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast, but but there is this sense that that our culture has said, "Oh no, the right amount is one, two, yeah. two point three, yeah," um, and. And that's a cultural standard, not uh, not a biblical standard. Um, and I think that that's something that we all sort through. And then you sort through: if God is the giver of life, do we trust Him for the number of lives that He gives us, hmm. or do we take control over that hmm. and um, and kind of manage that ourselves? Yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I, I was thinking through. You know, you bring up this concept of are children a blessing or a burden? And I think there's the concept. <clears throat> there's the kind of concept we can wrestle through that all the blessings that we have come with some level of burden. So oh I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure there's a, a tired mom listening. Like my children are very burdensome right now. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, but understanding that blessings come with burdens. Like the church that we have is a blessing. And there's burdens that come with living yeah. life in the church. Um, so it's not to say that children are a blessing and they're always easy to work with. And it's always like you'll never experience financial strain and you'll never experience yeah. uh, being tired or exhausted. Like that's not that's not what we mean by are they a blessing or a burden. It's it's understanding this concept of is God bestowing this this blessing upon you and giving you stewardship over that. And as you were talking, I kind of it's, I kind of thought through this concept of how arrogant is it of us to know that God is involved in the creation of human life. Even at, at, the, at the moment of conception, God is involved. Scripture talks about how in the womb, God yeah. knits life together. Yeah. And we look at that and say, we can stop God's working on that. How, how prideful of us to look at God working 
at that level and saying, yeah. stop it. <laughs> presumptuous. Yes. How presumptuous of us. Yeah. Like we talked about that recently. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, um, you know, um, being candid and open, Deb and I have six kids. Yeah. Um, uh, the, and all six kids are out of the house now, which is, a, which is a, you know, we're at a different life stage. Yeah. Um, we couldn't, by any conventional standard, afford mm. probably more than one or two. Sure. Um, but as as we kept having babies, um, your priorities changed mm. to care for the to care for the babies. Mm. And so there are lots of things that we didn't do that our friends did. Sure. Lots of things that we couldn't do. Um, cause we, we were worrying about having shoes for the kids, uh, you know, uh, yeah. those kinds of things. Um, uh, I, I don't say that to, to say, oh, how spiritual Rick and Deb are. Um, it, it really was a value for us. And I think, I, th- I think if you're a follower of Jesus wrestling with that concept of, do I view children as a blessing mm. or as a burden that that's a piece of the conversation that that shapes where you land on yep. this issue. Yep. Yeah, and that's certainly something that will come up later as we dive into those yep. messy situations. That a lot of those situations and scenarios come from that argument of this will be a burden to me. Yeah. Um, and we'll dive we'll dive into yeah. that. Okay. So we'll we'll definitely address that. So we're, you know continuing this conversation of. Uh, reproductive rights in the Bible, it seems like the terminology would not be you have a reproductive right. It would be right. that you have a reproductive command right. from God. And so that's yeah. not, and, and God uh, provides guidelines for that. So it's not to say you just go sleep with people right. <laughs> and make babies. God right. says, hey, I want you to be fruitful and multiply in the context of biblical marriage. Right. So uh, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, one one of the conversations that that I'm having with with a friend right now is uh, is to ask. I, I just ask. Okay, I need your input. I I just need to hear from you. Do you believe that it's best for the kids to be in a two parent family with with a mom and a dad, a male and a female? That that's better or worse or neutral. As a one-parent family, whether that's a mom, maybe they're living with their mom, sure. whether they're living with their dad, or whether they're living with two parents of the of the same sex, um, uh, and and that's that's a that's a really good conversation. Yeah. From my from the way I think, uh, um, and the studies that I've read, it would say over and over and over again the very best thing for the kids. Right. Is to is to have a mom and dad in, in a um, home that's intact, nuclear family where you know everybody's there together. Yeah. Um, that's not reality for everybody, but right. but right. that's the design that comes from God. Yep. Yeah. So if that's the if that's the guidelines that God's gonna that God's put up, and you have this biblical command, the question that I have is: Do we have a right to disobey God's commands? And that's that's I think the fundamental question. It brings up this, you know, we have this this talking point that that's come up in a lot of conversations I've had, where a, a God, uh, I, and I, I really don't want to misrepresent what people are saying, so I'm just, I'm directly quoting what people have said to me that God is pro-choice. 
because God gives us the ability to choose. You have the choice to sin or to not sin. And so there's this fundamental framework that God provides where God has said this, and then I give you the ability to choose. So how, how do we have the right to step in and say, you no longer have the right to choose. This is now illegal. So that's, that's this conversation that people are wrestling with. And that, that's where, again, if we're going back to the Bible, which is where we get our authority from, right? it's do I have the right, am I given the okay by God to disobey God's commands? Not do I have the ability to do it, because I do have the ability to disobey God. It's do I have the right to do that? And I think in Scripture, you don't see that, <laughs> that God doesn't give the okay for me to disobey something that he says, don't do this or do this. God doesn't give the okay for us to disobey that command. Am so, I misunderstanding that? <laughs> I, no, I, I, um, I think that you're stating that well, so let me ask a question. Yeah. Do um, God gives us minds that yep. we can use? Do, should we use those minds to make decisions about, um, about how, how large our family should be? So you're saying, should I be discerning <laughs> in my family planning? <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> I think we should be discerning in everything we do. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of, again, going back to this concept of, um, do we need this came up in the question that yeah. the persons that the that the person submitted this conflict um, that we need to control the size of our families based on economic impact, based on economic ability, economic mobility, um, strain, and things like that. So there's this pressure that I think culturally we feel that I it's a fundamental right that I have that I need to control the size of my family. And I think if we're looking biblically, again, I don't think that exists. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you because I think culturally we, we believe that there's a cultural standard for what a family should look like yeah. and how, she, how we should live. And again, if I come back to my personal experience, I would say um, that I, I didn't want to buy into that. And so... And so as we kept having as we kept having kids, it was with the realization that we were never going to drive a new car, mm. that we were never going to go on any kind of um, vacations overseas. Sure, you know that, that, yeah. We we were never we were never going to do any of that stuff because because we were fighting to survive to take care of our family. Yeah, um, and and frankly. Um, in the context of our sense of commitment to God and to our family, that meant that we had to find a way for Deb to have some income. And so she did daycare in our home. Mm. So at one point we had our five kids at that point, Micah hadn't been born yet. We had five kids at home and six daycare kids and they were there, um, you know, from six in the morning until six at night. Mm. Um, uh, it's interesting because a whole lot of people would say, "There's no way I'm doing that," <laughs> um, and and there were lots of days in the middle of that season that it was like, "Just give us a chance to breathe," yeah. you know. Um, but um, now, um, the our, our the relationships that happened out of that and how God grew us through that were really really good, and we're not in that place now we don't we don't live in that 
world right now. Yeah. The, um, there are so many stories of how God works through bad, what seem to be very bad circumstances, yeah. but we can trust him. We can trust him and we can, um, and we can do that. Now, um, this, this is really a conversation because it's like my mind's going so many different places. Um, let, let me clarify, too. When we're talking, particularly, and this, this uh, podcast is not about the, the thing that will probably be on the, um, on the uh, part of the vote in November. Yeah. Um, but what, the reason I want to have the conversation is to help you shape the way that you think big picture as you process how to vote and 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 how to make decisions in your own life, yeah. that that to me is critical. This is not about mandating my will on anyone. It's right. it it really is saying, okay, I think these are the things that you have to wrestle with. Yeah. And as a citizen of the U.S., we have the ability to write and vote. Yep. Um, and 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 that I that's a that's a right that I'm very much in favor of right. treasure. Yep. Um, but frankly, if that bill passes in November, it's not the end of the world. Jesus, sure. God's still on His throne. Jesus is still who He is. Um, and and yeah. if abortions continue in Michigan, um, our role as followers of Jesus will be to uh, to do all that we can to to love moms who are in crisis pregnancies to um, to love on people and help take care of people yeah. um, who choose to carry their babies to term and keep them or give them up for adoption or, or what that that's our role as followers of Jesus yeah. um, it's not it's not to take over the government and mandate yeah. um, uh, a position. Yeah, and I think that's the that's been the cool thing about having this conversation is that it it it's forced me to go back to scripture and challenge my own assumptions about the rights that the, the rights that we have yeah. as humans, especially as Americans. Um, and you know, we're kind of circling around this conversation of birth control, and it's like, well, okay. Does the Bible talk about birth control, like in terms of modern birth control? No, because it yeah. didn't exist. But the Bible kind of does address some level of um, regulating family yeah. planning um, in terms of how God uh, gave laws for the Israelites about purification rights. And yeah. so when it came to the natural cycles for men and women, there were limitations on when they yeah. could even have intercourse that limited the it it valued the person it put value on the woman yeah. it put value on the man it put value on the family and so even within that you can read through uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and God talks about this concept there's some of, fun reading there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah block off a full weekend for that yeah um, but in, in that sense God kind of put in place this kind of natural I don't know if you'd call it birth control um, <clears throat> but this natural kind of family guidelines in terms of how the family operates. And so does God care about that? Yeah, absolutely. But does it look like how our culture talks about it? Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> we just kind of have this assumption that, oh, you're going to have full control over the number of people in your family and the the um, the rights that come to your family as a result of that and yep. the procedures that come as a result of that and the, the entitlements that come as a result of that. And that's just not how God talks about it. It's not to say that birth control is sinful. No. But it's to say that is there w when it comes to birth control, are we willing to submit to something if God says no? 
And I don't think, and I, I, maybe you disagree, I don't think there's a biblical mandate where God says, don't use modern birth control. No, I don't think that. And I think we enter into this cultural assumption without any consideration to what God might have to say in the areas surrounding birth control because we're Americans, we're free to choose, and so who's going to tell me that I can't enter into birth control with my family? No one's going to tell me that because I'm an American and I'm a Christian. It's back to our last podcast about yeah. rights, the, the whole issue of rights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, think, I don't think that it's sinful to use birth control. I think it's a, it's a really good conversation to say, why are we choosing to use birth control? Yeah. Um, and... And that may expose mm. um, sin in us and saying, I want my freedom to, mm. to do whatever I want. I don't, I don't want my life to be managed, to be impacted in that way by a whole brood of kids, yeah. um, whatever. And, and that, frankly, oh boy, this is <laughs> scary to say it, yeah. um, that it goes to the heart of our... Um, Desire to be in control, our selfishness, yeah. uh, you know that kind of thing, and and not trusting God. You know, at, at at some level, we say there's no way that we can afford to have more kids. There's no way that we have the bandwidth emotionally to help care for kids. There's yeah. there are all these things like, and and to me, there really is a legitimate question in there to say to just hear the Holy Spirit saying, "Do you do you trust me? Mm. You know, do do you trust God in this?" Yeah. Um, that again, that's not a policy deal. That's a very right. individualized right. question for us. Yeah. Well, and again, in this conversation, it's it's. <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't trivialize the issue, but it's important to remember that we call it modern birth control because it's modern. It it yeah. didn't exist <laughs> until not that long ago, and so they, you know, up until recently, people didn't have any control. <laughs> well, they did over. <laughs> and and there was some uh, level of control. There, there was some level of control because right. they just determine how, when, and where, right. how often that, that kind of thing. Yes, yes. Uh, um, in terms of self control. Yeah, and yes. and and frankly, that's fundamental to this whole question mm. of abortion as well. Is there is a fundamental um, underlying tenet in there that says. Everybody has the right to sleep with whoever they want, whenever they want, without consequence. Yeah, and 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 I would say that's clearly in conflict with scripture. With scripture, right? God had God says, and it's not just that it's in conflict with scripture, and so oh, don't do it because of that. God says, here's here is what's best. Here's what's best for you. Here's what's best for kids that come. Here's what's best for for men. Here's what's best for women. For for uh, for intercourse to happen in the context of marriage yeah. um, and, and for it to be limited to that. And that when it happens outside of that, there are all sorts of ramifications that come from that. Um, because the sin that, you know, there's, when there's sin, there's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, again, it, the, the conversation that we're, we're trying to have right now with, with reproductive rights, reproductive freedom, reproductive commands, and birth control and all of that and how the Bible cares talks about that. I think the, the takeaway for me is, am I just defaulting to something because it's cultural? Right. Or am I really wrestling with something that is biblical? Right. And I think so often I find myself just kind of 
having that knee jerk reaction. Again, if we're going back to how we have conversations, we make we just make assumptions about other people. Yeah. But we do that in our own lives too. That of course they have of course they have the right to do this. But then you really stop and think about it and go, Oh, maybe maybe God does talk about this, even though it's a modern invention. Maybe there are principles that God has kind of laid out for his people, ways that God has designed life to go that can inform how we have these decisions, how we make these decisions, and can inform my relationship to God in that I just want to, and it's easy to say this, it's a lot harder to do, but I just want to submit to right. whatever God has for my life. And yeah. again, that's very easy to say than actually do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm uh, contemplating how transparent to go here in a second. Um, and I'm not there yet. So I, so I just want you to know, if you're watching this like 10 years from now, and there's like eight little Adkins. <laughs> this conversation helped shape that. <laughs> I come from a family of eight siblings. So yeah. That's, uh, we would just be repeating history. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we've, we're talking about reproductive rights in, in, in the context of this is going to be on the ballot in November, yeah. likely going to be on the ballot. So I guess my question is, when it comes to how we vote, that wasn't really an option for people in the Bible. Right. <laughs> there were no general elections that Paul and the other apostles were voting on um, that the Israelites had. Um, God chose the kings, and then when it comes to Rome, the Israelites and the Christians didn't really have a choice when it comes to that. So when it comes to us in a modern context in America in 2022, when it comes to voting on legislation, voting on people that we elect, um, does God... This is going to sound like a, a dumb question. Does God care how we vote when it comes to petitions that we might sign or uh, voting on things in a ballot or the elections that are held does god does god care about that uh, that's that is a uh, great question uh, i would i would um have a caveat to say um god's will is going to be done no matter what mm, right um yep. but i would say that god cares about how we vote because it's a reflection of our heart mm. so if um so um, it, this sounds so, um, basic, but I, I think that this issue really does speak to <clears throat> the issue of what's most important. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- what are the principles that are most important? Yeah. Um, cav- uh, 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 I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I hope it is that it's important. You guys, this is the way that I work. Um, I, I use a tool um, to help make decisions. I talked about it in a message one time about, um, about looking at facts, intuition, principles before you determine action. Yeah. Um, and that, that when, you, when you face a, a difficult decision, it is really helpful to say, what are the facts? What are the things I know to be true? What's my gut say? Those are the intuitions. What are the principles, either values that I hold or principles that are found in Scripture? Yeah. Um, and, and writing all those things down and then saying, okay, what's most important? For me on this issue, I, I, can, I can tell you, if I were to map out all of those things relative to a vote that we may face in November or, or many, of the, the, many of the pieces of this, it would come down to a principle that says God values life. Hmm. God is the one who gives life, and God values life. Yeah. And, and that, uh, if you go back to the last podcast, that impacts culture. Hmm. Um, when, we live, when, we, when we legislate, 
yeah. the value of life, that impacts our culture, I think, in a very healthy way. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, so fundamentally, when you look at, the, at all of that stuff, there are lots of pieces to the puzzle, but the place I keep coming back to, and I think, and I think it's a legitimate question, is to say, okay, what um, does all of this other stuff um, uh, counteract the value of the life of a baby grown inside a mom. That's that. F- yeah. That that for me is the. That's where it all goes. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a great. It's a great question, and it's worth worth wrestling with. Um, and I think the what it comes down to for me the the note the note that we made here is. You know, going through that FIPA, yeah, <laughs> facts, intuition, uh, principles, and then the action. Um. Can we, as followers of Jesus, vote in good conscience to legalize or legitimize behavior that is sinful? And that, I think, is the question that we have to wrestle with, is that when it comes to mm-hmm. the unjust ending of a life, which is what abortion is, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that, that's the question that we have to wrestle with. So when it comes to the other things that are on the ballot, like ultrasounds and exams and care like that, I think we have to ask the question of, is that going away if this is not on the ballot? Um, and then again, coming down to does this do those things supersede yeah. God's value on life? And that's we have to wrestle with that. That's yeah, and question. and and I think that there's a legitimate question. I'm not sure. I want to make sure I'm talking to <laughs> whoever to the right to the right camera. Yeah. Um, the uh, I think that there is a challenge for us, for you who are watching, to say, is there something I can do to help? to help fill that need that is articulated to say, this is why we need this particular piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. Is there something I can do to help make sure that, um, that women in the poorest of circumstances or women who don't have access do have access? Are there, are there things that I can be involved in to help see that come to, to fruition? Yeah. And I think that's, this is a good point to kind of uh, point in the podcast to kind of plug what North Point has in terms of resources um like we said we've we we reached out to the women uh that are closest to us that are kind of working on the front lines in this area um and so we have our own uh ministry here through north point um the uh, what do we call awaken because then yeah change the name surrender the secret yeah surrender the secret awakening is a ministry for post post abortive women right um that's available all of that contact is confidential um and so being able to minister to women that are literally going through it, um, that have gone through it, be able to reach out to others that are currently going through it. Um, that's a ministry that's super important to us, um, that we care deeply about. And then also, uh, in, in relation to caring for women in need, uh, the house of promise, we partnered with them on things before, um, a local ministry in Lansing that cares for women, um, two ministries that we care deeply about, um, that information can be found on our website. Um, shared pregnancy. Yeah. Um, a couple of, a couple of local organizations that are here in Lansing that, that we will often do, uh, drives to help provide supplies for, and, and that we have a number of people from North Point who volunteer there to help, to help in those areas, to help provide. Yeah, so those are those are ministries that are super important to us. So if yeah. you're uh, wanting to get more involved in those, reach out to us. We can get you plugged yeah. in with the right people because um, yeah. those are those are ministries that will continue. 
Right. We care about those. Um, so when it comes to this, uh, how we vote, I think the, the thing that people come back to wrestle with is these difficult situations that women face. So, you know, again, we, get, we circle back to that question that kind of prompted this of, you know, I, I know God's view on this, but I'm just, I feel this tension over here. And so I feel like what people will be facing in the coming months is, you know, I, I feel like I know God's view on this but I just know that women face these incredibly difficult circumstances. And so what do we do with that? So we just wanted to take, uh, this is kind of part two of the podcast, yeah. diving into these difficult situations. Um, and so one of them is just miscarriages. Uh, right. Obviously miscarriages are tragic. Um, so does God view miscarriages in the same way that he views abortions? So when a, when a woman miscarries, does God view that as sinful? Does God, because it's the ending of a life. Um, what is God's view when it comes to miscarriages in that situation? Um, the, the, does God view that as sinful? I, uh, for me, it's an easy answer to say no, because right. because there are all kinds of reasons why someone m- might miscarry. Yeah, um, and so that's not the same um, when there's a f- uh, when a a pregnancy um, just stops developing and they do a, um, a procedure to help take that that baby who has died, who didn't fully develop out, um, that's, that's not, um, that's not an abortion. It, it, it's an abortion in that it's an aborted pregnancy, but it's not an abortion in the sense of a, a medically, um, initiated yeah. step to end a life. The life's already yeah. ended. So, so Deb and I, uh, Deb and I had two, um, uh, two miscarriages that were, um, just both very difficult. Mm. And, um, and so when she goes to the doctor and the doctor says, how many times have you been pregnant? And she says, I've been pregnant eight times. And they say, how many kids you have? Six. So two abortions. Well, yeah, they were, they were aborted pregnancies in the womb that happened naturally. God doesn't see that in any negative sense, except with a heart of compassion. Right. Yeah, um, that, that's that's what's there, and so um, that we're not talking about that at all. We're talking about yeah. um, externally driven um, initiative to 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 end the life of a baby that's growing inside mom. Yeah, and I think that's that's the important. Words have meaning. Yeah, <laughs> that's the important thing to clarify in this is that there there has been conversation, and this is something that's been clarified even in conversations I've had. Is there's well, women will be prosecuted for having miscarriages, no. and that's just not the case. No. Um, no one's advocating for that. Right. And again, going back to words have meaning. You can look this up as of right now. Today is August 10, 2022. If you just look up define abortion, it is defined as the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. And so that's that's the character. That's the category difference between an abortion and a miscarriage is that a miscarriage is not deliberate, whereas yeah. an abortion is deliberate. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I think you just you just try and have the conversation because um in the technical sense of the, the use of the words, what we experienced were aborted pregnancies, right? Abortions, but they were but they happened spontaneous. Right. They were natural. Right. And then then for the health of Deb, they had to go in and and um, right. clean stuff up. Yeah. Um so let's uh we're going to keep working through difficult scenarios. Yeah. So let's say um, this is one that gets brought up all the time. The life of the mother is threatened. 
So right. you have a mom and she's pregnant and something has happened in her own health or either in the development of the child or in her own health, um, like cancer, um, and she needs treatment for cancer that puts the life of the mother at risk. Um, and so what do, we, what do we say in terms of these scenarios where a lot of times it seems like the general recommendation is ectopic pregnancy, get an abortion. Yep. I, I would say this. I, I don't think that there's a clear answer in Scripture. Yeah. Um, and, and I've said if, if I'm in a position that, um, that I'm having a conversation with a couple and, that's the, and that is what's going on, I would say I, I would just affirm to them, pray and seek God, and it's an mm-hmm. okay thing. It's an okay thing to end the pregnancy to save the to save the life of mom. Yeah. Um, now I, I, I say that knowing that many, most I don't I don't know um, if it's a situation where the doctor says, "Look, there's a there's a chance if you take if you carry this baby to term that you'll die." but the baby will live. That, that's a hard decision. It's just yeah. a hard decision. And I think God, God will come in with grace and mercy and just walk with you no matter what choice that you make in that process. Yeah. And I don't think either one is sin. I don't, I don't think yeah. it, I don't think that it would be sin to, um, to, to take the steps so that the mom can live. Yeah. And I don't think that it would be sin for the mom to say, I know given birth I'm going to die. Hmm. Um, and I don't think it'd be sin to say, you know what, we're going to trust God in this process and 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 just trust yeah. that um, he gives lots of medical knowledge and they're going to they're going to have to work extra hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think this is this is an area that I kind of dove into a lot because again, just having conversations with people about ectopic pregnancies and cancer treatments and things like that. And I kind of fell down (laughs) a deep rabbit hole of uh, a Christian doctor that wrote extensively on this. I think his name is, let me look it up. Uh, Patrick Johnson um, wrote extensively on treatment for ectopic pregnancies and just his perspective uh, as a Christian and a doctor offering healthcare in this. Um, And so just to kind of assuage fears, because this typically comes with a lot of urgency with ectopic pregnancy there's urgency you have to end the life of the child or else the mother's going to die um and his perspective that he's at it shared was really eye-opening to me that really in in medical procedures the the typical treatment for ectopic pregnancies is to wait to Mm -hmm. wait and see how the child develops um, because there are many examples not tons of examples but there's many examples of ectopic pregnancies where the child is born and lives, if only for a few weeks. Um, and so it's not probably, statistically speaking, going to develop into a, a what we would call a normal life. Um, but there is, um, he puts it uh, in, a, in, a, in a category of basically saying, it seems like, especially in American culture, there is a haste to kill. Oh. A haste to end the life. So you're diagnosed with an ectopic pregnancy. So the, the immediate diagnosis is get an abortion, end the life. Um, and he shares this heartbreaking example where a mom 
goes in and is diagnosed with an ectopic pregnancy and they give her, I forget the, the name of the medicine, but it's the medicine, it's a medicine that basically ends, uh, stops cell development. So it ends the pregnancy. Um, and weeks later, she's still experiencing symptoms and she goes back in and they find out that she was having twins and she had mm-hmm. an ectopic pregnancy for one and the other was normal, but she ended both. because of the treatment, mm-hmm. both lives were ended because of this kind of haste to just get the process done. Um, and so I think when it comes to ectopic pregnancies, that tends to be this very scary thing. And it is a scary thing. It's obviously a tragic yeah. thing. We wouldn't wish that on anyone. Right. Um, but I think, again, as followers of Jesus, it comes back to this question of, do I, tr- like you said, do I trust yeah. God in this process um, and value life in this process? And so, again, going back to there's life-saving procedures that we tragically have to make the decision on. Um, that's not a normal thing. That's not what God's design is for human life. That's not what it will be like in heaven. Right. And there's grace in that. There's mercy in that. And that's that's where, thank God, grace can enter into yeah. that. Um, and God, and, and again, it goes back to the, the question we were wrestling with earlier is um, the value of life. That's the question that yeah yeah value of life and and whether we trust God I, I, yeah. when I again when I think back to the it feels like ages ago since we had babies but um, with our first pregnancy you know you go to the you go to the OBGYN and do all the prenatal stuff and and go through the process and they say you do this test at this time yeah. and now it's really different because now you can get an ultrasound <laughs> uh, you know yeah. you blink your eye um, but. Um, the, the, uh, they ran a test and I forget what the test is. Cause again, I'm out of that stage of life that, uh, that checks on the health of the baby. Yeah. And there's some, there's some risk involved with that. Um, and it happens relatively early and, um, and they came back and said, you know, everything's fine. Yeah. Great. Uh, um, and, and in that appointment, we said, okay, what was that test for? And it was designed to show if there was chromosomal mm. um, issues that were there that, that might show that, 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 that there was stuff going on in the baby that, that wasn't normal. Um, and so second pregnancy, and it comes time for the, you want to do the test. And it was like, why do the test? Mm. Because we had already established it doesn't matter if the test comes back and says, oh, there's an abnormality in the, in the baby, that's not going to change what we do mm. because we trust God that our life would look very different, mm. you know, if we, if we had had a special needs kid. Um, but but uh, it, it really is. There, there's two pieces in there, and that is the, the, um, the value of life yeah. and, and, and trusting God that he's going to not give you more than you can handle and that he's going to take you through that process. Yeah, and that actually kind of... <laughs> segues into the the next difficult scenario so i forget when this was this would have been probably four or five years ago i think there was an article i think it was for iceland um and they were talking about as a country how they've almost eradicated down syndrome because of abortive testing oh wow where they will test and give the uh strongly encourage uh, an abortion Based for on any baby of, with Downs. Based on the results of that test. Wow. Um, and so this gets into the next difficult scenario that um, this uh, pregnancy happens, but if I have this child, 
my life will radically change, either for medical reasons, because now I have to care for uh, a child with special needs, could be Down syndrome, could be autism, could be any number of things. Um, or I just economically, you know, I, I'm already, you know, in situations where you have single moms and they're already working two jobs and they already have two kids and now there's a third kid on the way. If I have this child, my life will radically change. My life as I know it is over. How do we respond to that? If you have a baby, your life will radically change, <laughs> period. Right. <laughs> um, that, that, that's, um, that's true. Right. That's true. Yeah, regardless of circumstance. Um, it doesn't matter if baby's healthy, if baby has issues, if it doesn't matter if you have one, one kid or 10 kids. Mm. Um, uh, yes. I, for me, it would go back to saying the value of that child um, doesn't, um, yeah, you, it's, you just can't get past that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and as a parent, as a dad or a mom, um, you recognize that when, if, if children are a blessing mm. and not a burden that mm. God is, that it's God's going to sustain, he's going to figure out a path. Even when we think, oh, I'm going to have to quit my job. Oh, I'm going to have to move in with my parents. Oh, I'm going to have to do whatever that may be. All those things may be true. But, the, but we can trust that God is going to do incredible things through that process. Right. And I think, it, it, again, for us as followers of Jesus, this calls on the, the need for the church yeah. to be a community that can lean on one another, that can bury one another's right. burdens, that when you have uh, single moms in your community that desperately need assistance in right. terms of childcare or financial care or whatever it might be, that's an opportunity for the church to dive in headfirst um, and offer help in that situation. Yeah, and, and uh, it's funny, uh, we haven't talked about this for a long time, but but the church being able to, or Christians being able to do respite care, mm-hmm. whether that's respite care for uh, foster care for yep. kids, respite care for foster parents yep. to give them a break, yep. or respite care for um, families with special needs kids yeah. that are just fighting to survive and if they could just have three hours to go sit yeah. in the parking lot at walmart <laughs> that, <laughs> Close their eyes. yeah it would be um you know some for some parents to just be able to take a nap yeah is a is a huge yeah well huge i think deal. it the you know the thing that gets brought up is you know someone had brought up in conversation you know you know if parents have this child their life is over and it, it brought to my mind you know as christians my life is over, <laughs> right? Like, right. That's yeah. if I'm if I'm looking at my life as a real, as a follower of Jesus, where I have my old self is dead. I've died to myself. Right. And my new life is Christ's. Then my life is over, right? In that sense, yeah. In terms of my desires, my passion, my pleasure, my whatever, and everything gets submitted to Christ. And and there is no greater joy in life than living with that attitude. Yeah. They say it's not my life. Yeah. The life I live, it's not, it's not mine. Yeah. Uh, another difficult scenario, um, and this is, again, one that gets brought up commonly, uh, rape, incest, young girls getting pregnant. Um, what do we, what do we, do we make exceptions for abortion in this? That, that tends to be the kind of uh, a compromise that gets brought up as well. Well, you can ban all other abortions except in the case of rape and incest and young girls getting pregnant. Is that something that we see that's biblical? How do we wrestle with that? I, uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I under I understand the the tension in that. Yeah. 
and and that it appears to be if if your answer is to say no the value of the life is more important than the circumstances of the conception mm. um that appears to be um really um what's uh, what's uncompassionate discon and, and, yeah discompassionate i'm trying to think yeah. what's the opposite of, of compassionate and and uh, i would i would i would land on a place to say actually i think it's the most compassionate thing that you can do for the baby to allow the baby to live mm-hmm. the circumstances of the conception as devastating as they may be um can be can be um erased mm. with the birth of a of a life mm. um you know holding a new baby and yeah. um and it really is biblically it's it's joseph's line what what you what satan intended um for evil god wanted for good mm. god god chose it f- mm. for good um and so we assume that there could be nothing worse than carrying a baby to term if you were raped or nothing worse than carrying a baby to term if it was if that was the result of incest yeah. um that's not fact it, it could be it could be that that's a terrible thing but it could be that it's a wonderful thing sure and there is the and what's at stake is the the life of that that baby that's growing yeah. inside yeah and i think you know wrestling with a scenario that if we're looking at this biblically, this is an example where God's justice really matters. Right. Um, and I think when you look at how God has spoken, you know, we talked earlier about how um, sexual activity, that God provides guidelines for that, that mm-hmm. it's in the context of marriage. It's in the context of one male, one female. That's the context that good sexual activity takes place. Right. So anything outside of that, God is against. And so when you look at rape, I don't think, maybe I'm speaking too harshly, I think it's clear that God hates rape. Yes. God hates incest. God, yeah. God, that is not God's desire for sexual activity. Right. And so when you look at justice and how God exacts justice and will ensure that justice takes place, it is not justice to punish the innocent for a crime that's right. taking place. And so for a, the crime of rape that God hates, to punish the child is not God's view of justice. And that, I think, is, is a key factor in this conversation that, again, when you look at the ultimate value of yeah. life, that God values the life so much that he punishes the wicked, then don't punish the innocent yeah. in that crime. Yeah. And I know if you're watching, thanks for sticking with us all this time and this heavy stuff. Um, I know that it's easy to say, come on, Rick, Mark, you guys are men. You don't have any concept of, right. of this. And and that's true. I, we we are. I've, I've only carried a baby after it was born. <laughs> not, not not in the process. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that there is. Um, I, I I do think that the issues that we're talking about that there's a trust that God's plan is bigger than any circumstances that happen in the moment. Yeah. If we're if if we believe that God really is sovereign, um, and that 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 He really does rule in the hearts of men, um, God historically, over and over and over again, has used horrible things hmm. to accomplish His will in really cool ways. 
yeah. um, in very unexpected ways. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, last one, and maybe I should have let, I, let, let me let you, let me just go one one last one last connect of the dots in that um, because there the you know just since the uh, Supreme Court decision, yeah. there's the story of the ten year old girl um, right, right. that crossed state lines. Um, for me, on something like that, I really would say um, I'd go back to the doctors to say if. A ten-year-old carrying a baby to term endangers the life of the ten-year-old. Hmm. That goes back into the other conversation where you say, "Okay, you sort this through." Right. Um, I, I, I talked to another friend um, who told me about an eight-year-old that got pregnant uh, from incest, and and I would say that comes. I don't. I don't have any idea how an eight-year-old could carry a baby and and their body survive by. Right. But. But that's something that I would I would say that goes to the doctors to say, okay, here's what's going to happen, here's what can happen, here's what we expect to happen, or um, no, you know, this is just not going to work. Um, I, and and I would say, again, value of life and and trust in God. But in that kind of situation, yeah. um, I don't have any trouble if if the if the mom's life is endangered. Yeah. Um, I think that you can make a, a clear case for that. Yeah, and I think I think in all of these scenarios, the thing that we've we've kind of danced around, and I want to make sure we address specifically, is that in all of these scenarios, there is deep healing that needs to take place. Oh yeah, um, especially in the life of the mother, and so that is something that doesn't. Hopefully, again, nothing comes in here as dismissive that we're just like, yeah. oh, just don't get the abortion. It's that simple. Um, obviously, there is deep trauma and hurt and pain in a lot of these scenarios and there's deep healing either physically or spiritually that needs to take place yeah. and that takes time that takes prayer that takes mentorship and relationship and community um, and so again not trying to come across as dismissive that these are very simple answers understanding that there's deep healing that we recognize needs to take place and only God can do that yeah and uh, it, uh, w- this didn't make it in the notes, but because uh, I I hadn't thought of it really before, but there really is a sense in which when we say it's okay in the case of rape or incest to end the pregnancy, the assumption is that ending the pregnancy is going to provide that healing, mm. and it's not. No, it's uh, it's it takes the the baby out of the out of the process yeah. the the physical um, the physical uh, result of of that act it takes that out for you know for the nine months of the pregnancy or whatever yeah. but the but the wounds abortion doesn't fix that yeah. um, and and I would say because I believe in redemption I, I you know I would say that the pregnancy can help mm. provide some healing, um, even though that sounds so upside down. Yeah, which I think, I, I don't know, it, that's what the gospel is. Right. <laughs> it's this completely upside down thing, that the thing that you would think is impossible to bring reconciliation, God uses to bring yeah. redemption. I, lo- right. I love that word redemption. That's that's so absent in so many of the conversations. Yeah. It's God's redemptive work in all of this. 
um, one last kind of, uh, this isn't as much of a difficult scenario that we wrestle with, but more of a, a, a talking point that came up was, you know, if, and maybe, maybe I should have moved this earlier <laughs> to, mm. to keep people from leaving the conversation. Um, but uh, this talking point that if, if the church, if North Point, if Rick and Mark and whoever else take a strong stance on abortion and say that this is God's view, is it possible that people could then take on a negative view of God? That we just, because we come on so strongly about abortion, that people just tend to see God as this kind of unloving, judgmental, kind of hateful God that, you know, he looks on women that have had abortions and all he sees is that sin. All he sees is the the act that they've done. And now he just kind of writes them off. He's judged them. They've already done it. And they, all they see is the unloving God. Is that what we're, and th- is that what we're going to end up doing by talking about abortion so much? Um, they could, uh, a person can land there. They clearly, they have the ability to land there. Yep. But I, I would, if I were in a conversation, I would, I would say, let's talk about that for a second. Does the fact that you, do you believe that God hates murderers mm. uh, or that God hates thieves or whatever, you know, whatever that um, serial killers, let's, let's sure. say it that way. If we land strongly and say, God hates serial killers, does that mean that people are going to have this judgment about the church to say, oh, the church is terrible, they're evil? And, and, and frankly, again, we would, that's not where we land. We, I'm, God's, God's love for people, it, it just is. It's, it, it's fundamental to who we are. And so he, his love for us, his grace for it, his mercy, just keep going and going. But God does, God is just, he does have standards and he does say, this is, this is right. This is wrong. This is, this is how you live in the way that I created you, designed you to live. And this is not. Um, And so um, again, the, the issue for us, if I, if I go back kind of to where we started is um, this is now, this is not, uh, about politics at all, uh, you know, whatever way a vote goes, whatever way a Supreme Court decision goes, it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, it, it obviously matters for the lives of the unborn, and I'm for that. But um, but we can still trust God, and we can still be used by Him to minister to um, to moms, to pregnant women, to to women who have a different. Um, perspective or men who have a different perspective than than I might um, it doesn't change any of that yeah I think it's it's it the church uh, the ch- the church is called to offer uh, truth and grace right and we often you know I'll, I'll be the first to admit the church and myself included in that uh, are quick to give out truth and slow to give out grace right and so is are there churches? that, uh, or in church leaders, and again, I include myself in that, that have conversations around abortion that offer a lot of truth and not a lot of grace, certainly that's the case. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a, a an additional call on us to not take away the truth, but to add grace into the truth. Right. Um, that God does have a perspective when it comes to the value of life. And God loves us so much that he takes on the consequences of us not valuing right. life 
on the cross and right. forgives us of that. And that's a great thing. And so that's the that's the hope that we get to offer to the world is that if you are a mom that's post-abortive, if you are a husband that's cheated on your wife, if you are a student that's cheated on your test, if you are an employee that steals from your employer, there is truth that applies to all of those scenarios. Right. And there is grace that covers those scenarios. Um, and that's the great thing that we have with God is that God just calls us to repent, to turn away from those things and to run towards him because his arms are always open. Yeah. And so hopefully that's the message that comes across is not yeah. the judging, hateful, unloving God. Um, I don't, I don't, gosh, I can't even think of a way of representing God like that because right. love is just, like you said, it just is. God's yeah. Love just is. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, and that kind of wraps up the the two parts of the conversation that I had. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of bring it back to um, really, and we kind of ended our last conversation on this too, but it really comes down to um, does God value life? Yeah. And I think when it comes to our rights that we have, uh, the quote unquote rights that we have, do those supersede the value of the life of another person? And that applies to abortion, that applies to slavery, that applies to sex trafficking, that applies to uh, refugees and immigrants, that applies to all of these different areas. Do we value the life that God has created? Um, and am I willing to set aside my rights as an American and submit to God's commands on my life? Um, that's, that's, I think where the conversation rests for us. Yeah. And, and, and I would, again, just in, in terms of landing the plane say, uh, understand that what Mark just said, that speaks to you wrestling with this issue. Yeah. We're not talking about a political position or a mandate in terms of how you vote or, or even what the laws of our land are or should be, um, that that is as i wrestle with this issue how do i process that reality that god is the one who gives life um that's critical secondarily i i i would go back to where we took off from having the conversation with people is so important yeah. um and 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 asking questions and hearing what they say and hearing their heart because lots of people uh, um, land in a particular place because of stuff that's happened to them or people that they love in the past. Mm. Um, and, and so um, responding with grace and compassion and, and recognizing that you can disagree with someone um, and still love them. And, and, and you don't even have to make a big deal of the stuff that you disagree about. That, when my friend that I, that I talked about from high school, um, when I reached out to have the conversation, I said, you know what, this is, I, I, I want to I talk more, but this is not a conversation I want to have at our class reunion this fall, our 45th class reunion. That's, that's, um, that's not the time or the place, but we were able to have just a really good, deep conversation yeah. um, uh, before. In, in a different kind of context. So having the conversation and, and loving people through that process and, and communicating how much God loves them yeah. is just so, so important. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I think that's the, the kind of call to action that we have is not a call to action to seize power, right? Um, but it's to love people. And I think right. that, that can come across as cliche and it's not meant to come across as cliche. It's, it's meant to come across as, again, if God calls us to something, am I willing to submit to that? Right, um, and so when it comes to how we wrestle and work through this 
this issue as a culture um, and as a church, I think it comes down to, do I love the person enough to engage in relationship with them? Right. Um, because what tends to happen is our culture is that we find out what people think and we sever the relationship. Right. Um, and that's, we serve a God that saw us in a severed relationship with him and entered into deeper relationship with us yeah. to restore, to redeem, um, and to, to bring glory to himself, which is, I think, we have the opportunity to bring so much glory to God by how we enter into these conversations right. in a loving way, not beating people with the the baseball bat of the Bible um, right. or anything like that, but just, uh, again, going back to that concept of grace and truth and having yeah. a loving conversation is, is yep. so important for us. So um, thanks for tuning in to another long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, and please keep the conversation going. If it means yeah. uh, sharing this video, we would encourage you guys to share this with your friends. Um, it doesn't have to be public. On, you don't have to like publicly call people out on Facebook by sharing it, but send it in a message or send it in an email because we're so... Um, passionate about this conversation. Right. Again, not from the standpoint of winning people to our side, but just hearing people out and seeing what people struggle with and seeing what people are going through um, and trying to use um, uh, a situation that our culture and I think the enemy has specifically designed to be incredibly controversial and incredibly divisive. divisive yeah. uh, and we as a church get to enter into that conversation and bring unity, not because we all agree, but because we love Jesus. Right. That's the biggest thing. And hopefully we can model that yeah. in our conversation. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for s submitting questions, for having conversations on this. And uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>